Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to move your parish from maintenance to mission. Now on set today, I've got Ron Huntley, who's who's with us most weeks, but I also have a special co-host, Rob Curry. Hey. Rob, thanks so much for joining us today. It is such a pleasure. I'm not in the audience. I'm actually here. You're actually here. Now, Rob, <laughs> now one of the reasons that we've got you here is you actually are, are a leader at St. Benedict Parish. Not only are you a leader, you're the leader of my personal connect group. Yes, I am. And so I, I, I feel <laughs> like, few things I don't know if this is nepotism, <laughs> a bit nepotism. Well, I've missed the last few because I've been in, in uh, away on travel over in Europe. So I've, I've, I've been playing hooky on connect group. We, but, we prayed for you. <laughs> that yeah, I come yeah. back or that I'd stay away. <laughs> you behave while you were there. Oh, okay. Well, well, I can assure you, I I, I behaved mostly. Uh, there was a, a few priests that that I met in in uh, in the UK, anyways that that were interested in having a beer with me. But I promise it stopped at one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, it's really great to have you on the podcast today. Now, Ron, I've been missing you a little bit. I haven't seen you much over the last few weeks because we have been a portion of the team's been away. No. But you were holding down the fort. Has anything happened? No, nothing happened while you were away. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's never a, a day that goes by that great things don't happen. One of the things, and, and I certainly did miss you guys too. Like a big chunk of the team was over at the leadership conference over there, and it was some. It was wonderful to see so many new people from the ministry there and to experience the leadership conference that they put on, but also to do the uh, UK day. Um, but one of the things that happened while you were away is I had an opportunity to participate in two radio interviews. One of them was out of uh, Dallas itself, and another one was out of Dallas, but also in six other uh, major locations in the U.S. And mm-hmm. so it was a real honor to be able to do that. Um, did it with uh, Father Henry Petter and Kurt Clement. From our network, uh, Yeah, great. the first one, which was great, which sparked the second one, which is a little bit shorter, but it was myself and the and the host of the show. So it was really neat. But uh, one of the questions that he asked, and it was a legitimate question, um, but as we were talking about divine renovation and the things that we're doing at St. Benedict Parish and really seeking to go out and, and reach those who would consider themselves outside of a relationship with Jesus and talking about kind of what we try to do to bring them home, how we try to connect so that they too can experience what it feels like to have your life transformed by the love of Jesus. And at one point I was asked, you know, for those out there who might think this sounds too Protestant and not Catholic enough, um, what would you say to them? And I thought that was such an interesting question. Actually, I couldn't stop myself from laughing. Uh, just because. So you were talking about bringing them to Jesus. Yeah. Versus the sacraments in the church, right. as if those things are disassociated. But again, it was a perfectly legitimate question. It was a good question. But I just thought to myself, oh my gosh, are there people out there who've relegated bringing people into a relationship to Christ to evangelical Christians? Like, as Catholics, do we not see that as part of our identity? Mm. And And. And I just thought, you know, if I did talk to somebody like that, I'd just tell them I love you, and God loves you too, yeah. and Jesus loves you. And I wouldn't know what to say because, you know, we can cut. In fact, even this morning, I met with a really wonderful fella, and you know, you can come to church and not come to Jesus. Hmm. And when that happens, it's a tragedy. And I know that 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 was a lot of my experience growing up, and not on purpose. But there's a moment when everything changes. And, and maybe it's not a moment that you can put your finger on. But if things don't change, if, if my life isn't animated by, by the power, an experience of the power of the Holy Spirit in a relationship with Jesus, then I can just go through the motions and miss the point. Mm. And, and I think as we fumbled around that interview, he did a great job. I don't necessarily think I did. But... But when I heard that question, my heart just kind of sank a little bit. Can you imagine that we'd ever see those two things as opposed? 
No way. It's funny because last last week's podcast we shared one of the talks from uh, the DR uh, DR Day in the UK, and it was Father Peter who was the last person who spoke at, on that particular panel. And, and what did he get up and say? Like Father Peter from Chicago, uh, he got up and you know he said, "Well, we talked to, to these divine renovation parishes, the people in the parish, and what are they talking about? They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about Jesus, and it's like that's what we want. We want people to talk about Jesus, and and mm. the fact that it's not the norm is, is in in some respects it's alarming." Oh, it's sad. It breaks my heart. But but here's the thing. And here's the really cool thing about why we do what we do. We believe we can get from here to there. Oh, totally. And we absolutely yeah. see it happen. I'd love to hear, Rob, just for our listeners' sake, I'd love to hear a little bit about, about your journey. Like, you're a professor of law at Dalhousie University. You play in the band. Um, what's been your experience growing up and where are you at now and in terms of your relationship with Jesus and, and the church? You know, I remember keenly right after the first time we did Alpha, uh, somebody, you, I think, asked me to get up afterwards and, and give a little reaction. You know, where were you before? Uh, you know, where are you now? How has Jesus made a difference in your life? And I remember vividly, one thing I said was, I grew up in a small town in northern New Brunswick, you know, way north of here, a regular Catholic town of our generation. And it was a thing you did. You know, religion was culturally imbued. Catholicism was culturally imbued. But you didn't talk about Jesus. Mm. That got impolite in a way. At some point in our history, you know, it became weird to talk about Jesus. It was, like you said, it was relegated to the evangelicals, you know, and we've got that community up there as well, and they're wonderful people, but, you you know, in conversation, you didn't bring that up. So that's the kind of context I bounced out of, and I, you know, re-embraced my faith later on in life, you know, into my 30s when I have kids, and I guess I reacted as an academic, because I'm conditioned by this time to be attracted to intellectual stuff. And I, I kind of thought my way in, back into faith. You know, I started reading a lot, reading about the history of the early church. Uh, you know, I couldn't have a regular Bible. I had to have a study Bible. I had to have lots of footnotes. That's awesome. Because I read the footnotes. <laughs> You're that guy. <laughs> I'm that professor guy who reads the yeah. footnotes. And I, you know, I come to, at it to a point where I'm learning and I'm learning and I'm learning, and yet something's still missing. And it was music. It was the music ministry at St. Benedict really? that hit me most keenly, probably because before being a professor, I'd worked as a musician. And music was always part of our, of our thing anyway. And that was a powerful part of our tradition when I was growing up, um, but just music generally. So then I get into praise and worship music, which I've never heard, right. and it hits me like a ton of bricks. And then it all came together. Then I had a moment. But I had to grow into that moment. You know, that was... Uh, the entry point for me was was a slow evolution in you know what I hope was a thoughtful way, but it was certainly a long uh, sl- uh, slog, almost like a grind that got me back into it. When you say you had a moment, what do you mean? Uh, an emotional reaction to to the music, to the power of the song, but not just you know. I mean, if I hear a uh, great Bruce Springsteen song, yeah. I might have an emotional reaction. Yes. But it was it was a soulful one. Like the, the, I had an experience of the Holy Spirit listening to a song. I didn't even recognize it for what it was at the time, but it happened again, and it happened again, and it happened again. And then I was, I, I want more of this music. And so I managed to talk my way into the 9 a.m. mass band somehow. <laughs> I know six or seven chords, you know. Can I play I'm the band? The juice harp, but yeah, really round up the sound that you guys are making. Bring my banjo, and we will go. And they didn't want the banjo, but fortunately. Do you fortunately, remember what song it was, or do you remember where you were, or when it like? I definitely on Alpha. 
there were a couple of Hillsong numbers in particular mm-hmm. that hit me. And Mighty to Save is, you hear this story over and over, Mighty to Save is, is a mighty song. Mm-hmm. And that one hit me powerfully. Neat. And that's, like, and I have a vivid memory there. Much later, playing in the band, uh, the song was uh, God is Able. Right. And I was leaned back playing the bass this one Sunday morning and just just into it, just letting it roll, not thinking. And and I just, I felt transformed. Just, Isn't that beautiful? And then I hit wrong notes. And I got, <laughs> oh my God. Your face got red. You were all embarrassed. The man's glaring at me. And I'm saying, no, man, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not my fault. <laughs> He's a terrible musician. He's a great guy at saving souls. He's a terrible musician. <laughs> that is so cool. It's really neat, you know, because... People do come to the good news from different angles. And, you know, we were joking upstairs that you and I are so polar opposite um, because I'm not near as intellectual as you are. Like in your strength teams, you have, I call it the trifecto for the PhD of learner input and intellection. And and it's, it's so important for us to recognize as we're working with people and loving people is to recognize how are they hardwired mm. and let's meet them where they're at and share with them in their terms, in their language. And what's cool is, you know, you think about it. At Pentecost, people were filled with the Holy Spirit, came down from the upper room, and started speaking the truth. But people heard them speaking in their own language. Well, you know what? Musicians need to hear you speaking in the language of music. You know, you know where, athletes need to hear you speaking in terms of athletics and competition. Yeah. You know, and we need to be able to speak the language of the people that we're trying to connect with. And I think a lot of ways, so many ways, the church stopped doing that. We've kind of landed on the way to do it. And we've stopped innovating and trying to be relevant in the lives of people, you know, like Rob, who comes at it from, you know, an academic perspective because he's trained that way and he's hardwired that way. But also music means so much to him. And so the things that are going to impact me might not impact you. The beauty of the history of the institutional church is whatever your entry point, there's something there. I mean, I think there are things that need to be woken up, and that's what DR is all about, you know, like waking up. But we're waking up things that are there. There's a beautiful musical tradition. There's an amazing intellectual tradition. Whatever your on-ramp is, there's an on-ramp there in in Catholic theology and and in the, the history of the church. And that includes miracles. That includes ministering out of the power of the Holy Spirit. It includes all kinds of things. I, I agree. It's just so beautiful. Yeah, no, Ron, you were actually talking to, to one of our, our friends also about music. Uh, mm. Why don't you share a little bit what that was all about? Yeah, so our, our friend Chris Bray, who we've had at St. Benedict Parish to come work with us on two different occasions to really help us to grow in expressive praise and worship, to really help people to surrender their life, use their body to pray, Mm. and just to let loose and just make God your number one audience. And so he's wonderful in helping speak into our musicians, speak into our connect groups to help loosen people up. He's become a friend as a result of doing that. And he's traveling all over Canada, the U.S., speaking into schools, doing concerts, uh, he has a presence on YouTube and He's a Instagram. tremendous musician. Tremendous. Wonderful it was funny guy. last night uh, because I knew you had talked to him yesterday, so I went home last night, and we have one of those Amazon things. Uh, uh, oh, yes. Oh, so those Alexas. Alexa. Alexa. Yeah, so <laughs> I went home, and I was, I was actually in my kitchen. I was making food, and I was just thinking about that conversation that, that you'd had with Chris, and I'm like, Alexa, play me some Chris Bray. And then we just went right into it. Man, song after song. It was just so good. Isn't he wonderful? He's awesome. He's wonderful. I was at that first session yeah. that Chris came to do with the musicians. And, okay. and Paul was as well and, and other folks in the band. And I, I, I came away with a sense of, 
Yeah, the Holy Spirit's there, and it's there to be tapped, and the Holy Spirit will fill me. But there's stuff I got to do. Yes. And it was so useful to have the practical insight of, okay, play it this way, and then play it this way. So when this happens, take it down a bit, and then back up. And guitar players talking to guitar players, and vocalists talking to vocalists, and Chris does it all, of course. Right. So, and, and what's your arrangement look like? Are you going to repeat that verse? Are you going to move to the bridge? Read the crowd, like stuff that oh, the stuff matters. Doesn't oh, it, it really does. The practicalities of it, yeah. and and that's what that's what it's about. You you can only get so far on inspiration. You got to do the work. Grace builds on nature. There we you go. have to be good. Like I really only know about four or five chords. I'm not that good. If I was going, you play to those be... chords really well. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> but you know, I think about you, Robin. I'll never forget. It's the funniest thing. I still remember it in my mind's eye. I'm leaving mass. Mass is over. I'm walking down the left hand side as you're going out. Uh, and all of a sudden, I hear from behind me, I hear Rob. Rob and Don are walking out together behind me. I didn't know they were behind me. Hey, Ron, yeah, if you ever want us to do music at Alpha some night, just let us know. I'm like, what? <laughs> you play music? <laughs> like, yeah, I played for 19 or 17 years. I'm like, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, but even as you were starting to play that type of music, I remember in terms of leading people in prayer with music, I remember mm. you saying one time, I'll never do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you something, Rob, do you do that now? Why, yes, <laughs> Funny you should ask. I do it about every two weeks. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, eh? How th things that seem so intimidating mm. seem so foreign to us that, that we can grow in our comfort level, mm. our skill level, and then become a leader of bringing other people to Christ with the very gifts that he gave us. And it's been so fun to watch you mm grow in that area and it's i mean my the only insight maybe i've gained out of that is we, you know we always tell ourselves trust your instincts like right. trust your instincts trust your trust internal your reactions yeah. don't do it without advice from the holy spirit is, is my thing because i yeah i reacted viscerally <laughs> against that it made me uncomfortable <laughs> like really uncomfortable yeah and yet i transitioned out of that through prayer through guidance through friendship and instruction and correction all those all those good things right all those good bits of work that you have to do. So just because my gut told me one thing at one point, I wasn't informed. Mm. Right? I stretched myself up. And how many people um, see what we're doing, hear what we're doing, and resist oh, yeah. where we're headed? They, they, they see the things that make them uncomfortable, and they say, nope, not going there. I resist it. And I understand it. I understand that, that response, that feeling. But if we can build trusting relationships with people and say, just try the next step. And I, f I find in leadership and, 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 and seeing in people, having, having conversations of what I see in them and just inviting them to trust and take another step closer to who? Closer to Jesus. What ends up happening to those fears, those, uh, all that, I don't know, I don't know the word, but you just don't trust. It starts to go away and you start to get a clearer picture of who Jesus is. And then you start to get used by him to bring others it changes everything, and that's really what we're talking about. That's what leadership is all about. Let's not stop where people are uncomfortable. Let's not stop where people are afraid. Let's not stop where people resist. But let's get to know them. Let's fall in love with them, and let's draw them closer to Christ to use their gifts to love and serve others. And to challenge them in, in a loving way because right. a, a, a point of resistance or a way that resistance that you're talking about manifests itself, I think, is for people to say, yeah, you guys, you know, you all drank the Kool-Aid. Right. You know, there's yeah. this instinctive reaction, well, those people are different from me. They're they're culty or something. I don't yeah. know what's weird about right. them. Come and, you know, come and talk to me. Like, come and talk to Dan. You'll find a pretty normal guy, broken guy trying to make his way Amen. in the world. But challenge, challenging them to just take that next step, as you say, piece by piece, just small bites.
It's so interesting because that story is, is it's it's not just about music. It's about everything we do. And I mean, like, you know, at, at our events, as a, for instance, like when, when I when you speak to a lot of people think some of our events are kind of different. They're like, you know, that, that kind of stuff would never work at our church. No, we could never do that. We would never pray like that. It's like, no, no, like you take little steps towards it and suddenly you find every two weeks you're getting up and, and, and singing and praying with a whole bunch of people. It's amazing how like, you know, what God will lead you into if you just allow yourself to be open to it. Well, and that's where I think doing things outside, like the Holy Mass is amazing. It's mm. the highest form of prayer. I, I, I get it. Intellectually, I get it. And I think, you know, Father James will often say it's the source and summit of our faith, but if we don't do anything else, yeah. it's the source and summit of nothing. And so all these other things in our, in our game plan or are the way we form disciples who joyfully live out the mission of Christ at St. Benedict, that helps fill the sandwich, so to speak. <laughs> like that's the meat and the lettuce and the tomatoes and the mayonnaise. Like all these things grow people. Because at the end of the day, when I look at leadership, I'm trying to help people do what? Follow what I tell them to do and, and behave in ways that I'm telling them to behave? Not even close. I'm trying to help them surrender to the person of Jesus Christ, to learn to love and trust the Trinity. Because I know when you do that, it changes everything. Mm. It's not what I, I, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus and it requires trust. And that's a process of stretching people, being stretched myself. It's not a one-off, it's an ongoing thing, right? And so anyway, it, it's, so, it's so fun. I love what we do. And it's so fun being a Connect Group leaders together and the three of us so, being yeah, a Connect Group. Okay, so yep. Connect Group. Uh, I've missed the last Connect Two connect groups, I think. I I, I really have been playing. Fuck you. I'm fired. <laughs> yeah, I guess you do get kicked out. Of I wouldn't be the first person to get booted out of a connect group. But I guess well, let's not make the assumption that people know what a connect group looks like. So, Rob, how does how does the connect group work for you, for us? Well, connect group hours, like all of them, are small to medium sized groups of people. Uh, generally, all alpha graduates, people who've done alpha and want that bit more. And we come together every few weeks and as a group, and we minister to each other, and we we eat together, we pray together. There's a speaker. Uh, we do a bit of praise and worship, which, you know, I'm oddly enough, I often lead prayer. <laughs> play the music. God, that's a wonderful sense of humor. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. That's the best observation right there. And it's a, uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's a awesome. time of communion yeah. and, and ministry for us. And it's an amazing, it's, it's one of the highlights of our, 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 our month when we have our, our two connect group uh, sessions. What have I missed? Did I miss anything, Rob? Mm. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you had a speaker last week. Tell us about that's that. It. We had a speaker, a guy we, we know and love. In our connect group. In our, yeah, he's right. been a member for, I don't know, nine months, ten months. And he brought his uh, he brought relatives of his into the group as well. And so this is a guy who had a powerful conversion experience and is well known in the parish for it you know, because he because he talks about it all the time. I mean, at Alpha on the oh, weekend. Oh, yeah. Right now, wherever he is, he'll talk about it. You'll see him at Mass and he is, he's into it. He's totally into it. And so everybody knows his story, or so we thought. And he was our speaker, and he came to tell us the real story, the back the backstory of the his story conversion. behind the story. Yeah, and it was uh, it was like an expose in a way. You know, you think you know my story. Here's what it really was. And his story, his public story, is powerful enough. His private story of conversion, where he was before he had his moment of conversion, and how he came out, and what he looked like on the other side. We were in shreds by the end of it, all of us. It was the most one of the most powerful testimonies I've heard. And it really speaks to uh, the power of witness and allowing people to grow into just doing that, right? To, to witnessing uh, to others 
the power that the Holy Spirit has had in their lives. It's, I can't, like, I get emotional just thinking about it. It was really amazing. And where else, like, where else, like, you, you think about going to church and, you know, Sunday school or whatever else, but where are the platforms for people to tell their stories? Like, most churches don't have them. We have them all over the place because we value them and they're really important, so we build everything we do around that. But so many churches, people aren't expected to have a story, let alone tell a story, mm. and there's no platform. You know, the, yeah. the priest is the only one who has a platform to tell their story. Um, and what, people are hostile to anybody but the priest standing up and telling the story in a way, or they can be. That's a good yeah. point. At least. You are. You're not a, you're not a priest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a good point. And yet everything we know about the way we conduct ourselves in any successful field of endeavor, whether it's business or whether it's teaching like I do or anything, it's about the power of narrative. It's about the power of storytelling. And if we can build on that the kind of energy we can create, and we have been creating, is amazing. It's yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah, about, I'm getting excited. You go. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, what Father Peter's doing in Chicago because they're, they're, help, you know, they're inviting us to be a part of <laughs> yeah. their, their solution in terms of the, the things that they're doing there. They're just doing amazing things there to try to help the church to go on mission again, and, and they've invited us to be a part of that. But what's interesting is they want to make sure they're making good decisions, and that's fair. And so at one point, they asked if maybe they could speak to one or two of the churches in the network. In our Divine Renovation Network, And I said, network, no, yeah. you can't do that. You can speak to all of them. I, so I said, let me get in touch with the people in the network first. And so I did. All the churches I coach, I sent them a note and said, you know, Father Peter with the Diocese of Chicago, here's what they're considering. They'd love to, to talk with you guys. Would you be interested? Every single one of them said yes. And so what's really cool is Father Peter and his entire team have been scheduling one-hour interviews with every single one of them. And here these people in the network are giving their witness. It's absolutely having a huge impact on Father Peter and his team. They're loving it. I, I joke that Father Peter now knows more about what we do than I do. <laughs> because he's talking to all these people who are saying, here's the difference it's made in my priesthood. Here's the difference it's making in our church. Here's the lives we're seeing changed. Yeah. And, and so it's so fun for him. I can't wait to talk to Father Peter and ask him how it's going. Yeah. Because it's great when you get to hear people's story. It's funny, when we did the first Divine Renovation Conference back in 2016, we had parishioners come up and give witness to their transformations, and it was so powerful, so impactful. And now the challenge is, we have just as many parishioners that have had powerful transformational stories in like the last 12 months, but now we've also got all these pastors who've, who've teams, you know, yeah. and their teams who've had these powerful transformational, it's like, we don't have enough stage time for 2018 <laughs> to give these people a chance to tell their stories, because there's just so many amazing stories. And it's such a blessing because it, they, 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 they're, they're just so powerful to hear what's happening in these in these parishes all over the world. And, of course, all the, the stories that they'd have from their own parishioners. And it contributes to the, to the on-ramp. Right, I'm going to kill that metaphor this morning. <laughs> when I, I, I've been told, I only say this because I've been told, it's mattered to people when I stood up and told my story for them to say, you're a professor. Like you're you're a lawyer. Too smart for this. I well, this. <laughs> I don't know that I appear that smart, but it's like you're not somebody from whom I would have expected this story. Mm. And our friend who I'm talking about uh, from earlier from Connect Group, you look at that guy. He's a tough-looking guy. He is not somebody from whom you would expect to hear a story like this. And that helps the on-ramping as well. If you can hear from somebody who either is like you and you can identify, and Dan, that's something you and I have talked about yeah. before. You can identify with them, or somebody completely outrageously unlikely 
to be telling a story like that. And that can hit you like a ton of bricks when you hear it. So mm. true. And that goes for churches too. And that, and that's, that's the point. Like Father James McIve and, and, and Jordan and their team out in East London, like they're in an area where gang violence is real and, uh, and it's not a, the most affluent part of London. And yet that place is exploding with joy, with numbers, with growth, with impact. And, and you know, we're a suburban church. We're very different than that. And so we have inner city churches. We have suburban churches. We have rural churches. All experience the same release of joy as people are coming to Jesus Christ and surrendering their lives. And so you're right. We need sometimes it's a church that needs to find a church that looks like them because St. Benedict doesn't look like them. Well, yeah. guess what? We have them. <laughs> and one of, one of the ways that we try and measure whether people have come to Christ in the past year is the Pentecost challenge. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Father, I was talking to Father Simon before Pentecost uh, <laughs> just a couple of days ago. And, uh, and he, was, he was confessing. Uh, so Father Simon, of course, yes. the, the pastor at St. Benedict Parish now. He was confessing. This is the, a, bit, a fair bit of anxiety knowing uh, that in, in a handful of days he was going to be standing in front of the entire congregation <laughs> uh, and asking people to step forward if they feel like Jesus has had, had a transfer, transformed their lives in the past year so they could receive a blessing. Yeah. And uh, it was so funny because this is his first time, and I could just see the, the, the you know the whites of his eyes. It was just it's he's, scary. It's scary. It takes courage. Like, what if we've done church all year, and nobody's life has been transformed? We haven't made a single yeah. new disciple. It's possible. And in fact, the Angus Reid data from a couple of years ago said of all the churches in the United States of America, all denominations, 50% of them did not add a single person to their mm. congregation that year due to conversion. And so not only, it, you know, it's so to ask the question, it takes a lot of courage. And I'm so proud of the churches in the network that are taking that. We call it the, 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 the Pentecost challenge that are taking that challenge to can we dare to measure changed lives? Yeah. Because it's actually, if you can tell a tree by its fruit, what does fruit look like? It looks like changed lives. Let's start counting it. We count what matters. And what an emblem of faith. That, you know, we think we're invested enough in believing that this is going to happen, that we'll measure it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> publicly. Yeah. <laughs> publicly. We're going to measure it publicly so that everyone, so everyone can measure with. But it, and, and anyways, it's just such a, an exciting blessing when it, when it happens and you see people who have, who have had those transformations because you won't have a chance to know everybody's story. But what you can see is that there are lots of stories. Yeah. And what's neat is, and what I would say to all those pastors who are listening, is that if you do it and nobody stands up, I want you to know something. It's okay. Mm. It's okay. And, and, and in fact, if I was the one standing there and I asked the question, hey, who can say they've become a disciple in the last 12 months because Jesus Christ has transformed your life? If that's you, would you stand up? And if you stood up, would you, would you be willing to come forward so we can pray a blessing over you? If nobody stood up, it's okay. But I would say to people, as your leader, as the pastor of this community, I'm going to make sure that this time next year, when we do this again, and we're going to do it again, that we have people at this mass time stand up. Why? Because the people that are in your family, that are your neighbors, and are at your workplaces matter to me. And I'm going to do a better job of equipping us all to give them something to invite them to so that they can experience Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so it's okay that nobody stood up. But next year... I'm going to do everything I can over the next 12 months with the team, with the staff, with the volunteers to make sure that we have some bodies standing up that show the fruit of your faithfulness, your giving, your generosity, and your prayer. 
And so if there's anybody out there that would like to take that challenge next year, <laughs> you don't have to be in the network to do it. You know, sign the, hit the click to commit yeah. on our website and send us your information. We'll include you in the, in the emails or the, the newsletters that go out each month. And, and, and let's stay connected. Mm. So, Ron, one of the things I usually get excited about is when you tell me stories of things that are happening in the network when you're coaching sessions. Mm. Have you coached any, uh, had any interesting coaching sessions with the priests in the last couple of weeks? Oh my gosh, they're never not interesting. Every day I finish coaching, one, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the best feeling of exhaustion you could possibly have. I'm so invested in every one of those pastors and their teams. Like, I absolutely love them. And there isn't a session that goes by that isn't amazing. Mm. Um, one of the things that, that came up the other day, and I, I guess I'll kind of link it back to what Rob was sharing, um, was that not unlike Rob, this pastor too has, has uh, input and learner in his top five strength team. So how does he come at faith? With his head. Yep. And it's okay. You know, when you look at Strength Finder, which is a book, uh, Discover Your Strengths, um, Gallup Strength Finders. Clifton. Clifton Strength yeah. Finders, yeah. There, there are 34 strength themes. They fall into four categories. Those four categories are executing. That doesn't mean killing people. That means getting things done. Uh, relationship building. <laughs> it depends on your line of work. <laughs> Influencing and strategic thinking. And so those two themes are, are strategic thinking. And so he has two or three of his strength, top five strength themes in strategic thinking. So... In other words, I not even get rid of the word th strategic and just say thinking. He's a big thinker. Mm. And so he comes at things with his head. That's okay. That's not a mistake. That's a strength. That's a gift. That's how God made him. And so he was actually talking about things that he wanted to line up. And, and, and he was doing it all from a place of that category. There's four categories. He was only thinking about that one category to which we were able to have the conversation that that's you. That's how you would come at it. So 75% of the people in your church, you're going to miss them all together because they're not going to give a rip about that stuff. And it didn't even dawn on them that people wouldn't care about all these academic studies and information which jack him up. <laughs> I was like, dude, that is only going to work for people like you. You're not leading a church of people like you. It's bigger than that. And so you also have to have these other experiences. So like to use your, the on-ramp, <laughs> they need to be have different on-ramps. And it was really interesting and fun to be able to help him see that. And that's why understanding who we are and how we're hardwired is so important. Because we can lean into our strengths, but also recognize how other people are made. And then, because when, when we're leading a movement like a parish, we need to keep all of those things in mind. We need to be build teams that complement uh, person's strength themes so that they can come at things with a broader perspective when they're making decisions. And that's what a, a leadership team at a parish level is all about. So it was fun talking to him and getting to know him and coaching him and helping him see and consider that. And just his willingness to right, okay, cool, and dig in, and let's explore that. I just loved, I love his attitude. I love his disposition. I love his teachability. Mm. And it's so fun to work on this stuff together so that we get bigger results. And so every week, every time we coach, there's great opportunities to, for breakthroughs. And, and I love the great stories. We have so many amazing pastors and leaders in our, in our coaching network that, you know, when you, when you hear stories back about how they're changing their leadership, because we, the leaders in our network, it's not that they're, they're, they're ill-equipped to, to do the job. It's that no. we, you know, we're able to, to, to help 
feed into them sort of a different perspective, an outside mm. perspective, and see ways that they can take their, their, their already quality leadership to the next level. And to, to hear stories like that is just so exciting. And do you know what's going to be so fun at DR18 is they're going to have different colored lanyards, as we've mentioned That's right, before. Yeah. And so I, if you're coming to DR18, don't talk to us, talk to them. Mm. Like, look for that different colored lanyard and go ask them if it's the real deal and how they've changed and what differences it made and how is life changing. <laughs> we'll call it the Father Peter approach. Feel free to talk to any of the people in the Divine Renovation Network. They all are, they're the best advertisers in the sense of being able to say what, how Divine Renovation's impacted their parish because mm. they've got the stories already. It's amazing. Yeah. And I'll tell you, every single one of those stories come with a pile of struggling. Mm. It is so difficult to do what we do in this current culture. Yeah. Like the culture is sliding the other way. And we're daring to stop what some of the things that we're doing that don't work, lean into the things that do work, and believe that it's possible. In, in a church where I saw some statistics recently that for every one person that converts to Catholicism, six faithful Catholics walk away. That's the culture we're leading into. Mm -hmm. And they're not always walking away to a secular culture either. No, I mean, sometimes true. they're walking away to other denominations that yes, will feed them. Absolutely. And that's that's part of the, you know, I think the revolution that divine renovation creates is we learn how to feed. We come up with with techniques. Even at at the pastor's level, you know, I think about Father Peter and and you know, I'm when I'm sitting in the in the pews, I'm thinking about, you know, reading divine renovation for the first time and Father James writing, uh, you know, the the homily is so important. The homily is one of the, you know, the things that has to be done well. And bringing, you know, a skills-based approach, you know, bringing a team approach to the building of the homily. Because I, when a, a priest will say, you know, the translation of this word from the Greek is, and I light up. You know? <laughs> this academic goes crazy. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah. And I'm thinking 75% of the people are going, oh, what time is it? <laughs> but that's why a good homily, as I understand it at least, has to have different components. Yeah. It yeah. has to respond to the to the on-ramps. Yeah, and this is, I mean, at, at St. Benedict Parish, we use Alpha as a sort of one of our, our primary ways to bring people into the church. And I know, Rob, you've been a, a part of Alpha for a long oh time. Gosh, uh, any, any, any recent experiences that, that have, you know, have that Alpha alpha flavor to them? I think I, I do alpha talks now. I mean, that, that's really what I've been doing the most of the last couple of years. And it's like every time it's a new experience. You know, I, I've done different talks and some of them, you know, spoke to me more than others, for sure. Uh, recently, I did one where you're looking at it and saying, I know what I have to deliver here, but I have to make it about me. And I was I was worried. You know, that if I personalize this too much, it becomes the Rob show. Because I have a tendency to want to tell jokes all the time anyway. Um, and, you know, am I going to deliver the core messages? And you're literally, you're 20 minutes before you go on, still looking at the notes thinking, is this, like, do I have the right things here? Is this going to reach somebody? And the moment I think, okay, Holy Spirit, help me out here, bang. Three mm -hmm. stories come to mind. And, oh, yeah, those are the stories. And they're unlikely stories every time. It's, I would never have thought about that thing that happened with my cousin 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's it. And it's just every time it comes. And didn't you run into somebody at the church recently from that you used to hang out with or connect with when you was doing Yeah, a, you know, yeah, that's right. That. Oh, amazing. So I was playing with the band. We finished up, and I'm coiling chords and doing the cleanup stuff. There's a tap on my shoulder. Here, I turn around. Here's a guy who I knew from the music business 20 years ago here in Halifax, and we, uh, we went to different schools together kind of thing. We played in the same run of bars, and we lived the rock and roll lifestyle, you know, such as it was at the time. And here's 
this guy who I haven't seen for a long time, he says, hey, man, the music was really good. And that's a real compliment. This guy is a monster musician. Cool. He's so good. He's a producer, <laughs> does all kinds of stuff. And I, hey, thanks a lot. He says, yeah, people invited us here. He, he was there with his wife and his kids. And, and so he came. I said, that's amazing. I'm so glad to hear that because I'm thinking, yeah, hey, invitational culture. He says, I'm doing alpha. And it's pretty cool. And he's, he's very somber. I mean, I'm smiling, but he wasn't. He was very somber. But this is what he's he's putting out there to me. I'm doing Alpha. It's It's been a really good experience. And just, oh, my heart just filled up. Fast? And I have to stop myself from, you know, hugging the guy. Because <laughs> he's not there yet. I don't want to freak him out. Good discernment. That's so, hey, that's great, man. <laughs> Hope to see you again. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> All right, guys. The continual power of Alpha. I mean, that's what really gets uh, me. All right, guys. I'm going to cut us off right there because we have Hannah Von Spruce joining us. And, of course, she's the Divine Renovation Coordinator for the UK. And I want to leave enough time for her to share with us some of the amazing things going on there. So we'll be right back. Have you ever read books or listened to talks on parish renewal and leadership and thought, that's good for them? <laughs> But how would that ever happen in my parish? And do these people even know what it's like to be in a parish? How do you bridge the gap between the theory and real life parish? The Divine Renovation Association exists for all those reasons. It's created for and by people who have lived it and are living it right now in real life parishes. I believe that every parish has the potential to impact the world around it. I believe that every leader has the capacity to be a better leader. I believe that every parish can be so much better and more exciting than it currently is. And we want to help with that, to help you and your team to move your parish from maintenance to mission. Hannah, it is so great to have you on the podcast. Second week in a row. Uh, so you're, you're batting a thousand in terms of these last two weeks. So welcome. It's so good to see you. Thanks so much. It's great to be on. So Hannah, I know last time, because we did, uh, we broadcast um, one of your, your one of the talks you hosted at the DR Day in the UK which has such, a, you got me thinking about Springsteen again now, Rob. It feels like it's got that kind of vibe the other day in the UK. So, um, <laughs> but Hannah, so, so people got to see you up on stage if they, if they caught last week's podcast, but I think not a lot of people know much about you. So you're a Divine Renovation UK coordinator. So you, along with an amazing team in the UK, uh, help to, 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 to feed into all the activity that's happening in the UK. But how did you, how did you first come into contact with Divine Renovation and Parish Renewal? Yeah, great question. So I have been involved in different things within the church for many years. I've worked in parishes, parishes. I've worked on diocesan level. And I read Father James's book when it came out originally. Um, and it just hit me as something that was so needed in the church. I think it was, yeah, it was a huge kind of breakthrough thing for me when I, when I read that. And I could see that the stuff that we were doing in our parish um was was great you know it was it was impacting people on some level but it wasn't as fruitful as it could be and i think some of the things that father james um spoke about in that book really really touched us and and um you know just showed us a new way ahead so i was really encouraged by that book um and then um it's funny uh, rob mentioned his his strength themes i've got the three of the t i've got the same three i've got the oh. intellection and right learner and that was something that kind of i suppose it's the background to um why i began a phd so i began a phd about two years ago 
Good for you. And um, I'm still working on it now. Do you need someone um, for your committee? Will you need an external examiner or anything like that? <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll call you up. It's, it's not in law, unfortunately. Oh, too bad. Um, but, <laughs> um, but I, I was really um, keen to study this question of culture in parish in parishes in more depth. Mm. And um, so I've been doing that for two years now. I'm doing case studies um, in different parishes, um, three in the UK. I came to St. Benedict's for one of those um, case studies, and I did one in the US as well. So, um, yeah, that's a bit of my background. Um, and that's kind of how I came to St. Benedict Parish as well um, in Halifax um, last year. I spent a month there. Sorry, I was just thinking, <laughs> Hannah, like, I remember when you came, it was really fun. Uh, to meet you and to get to know you and the fact that you're studying parish culture and, and you're just, I see this hunger in you to figure this stuff out. Um, share with me, because you were at St. Benedict, I think, for three weeks while you were doing your studies and, and your research, but share with the listeners some of your findings, like just from a human perspective, what were you seeing culturally that that uh, you were able to put your finger on? Sure. It was, I mean, it was an amazing time. It was an amazing three weeks. Um, just the, just the atmosphere of the parish, just the warmth, the hospitality, the welcome was incredible. And I just met, um, so many great people. I'd been to the DR16 conference the year before, so I'd kind of had some experience already of the parish, but I think, you know, when you're staying there for an extended period of time, you get to see, um, so much more. Mm. And I think one of the things that, well, loads of things touched me, but but one of the things that really touched me the most was going to the connect groups. So I was invited to, you know, lots of different connect groups over the three weeks that um, I was there. Um, you know, even I remember one evening I just bumped into a parishioner. I was buying some groceries in the supermarket. I bumped into a parishioner and she said, come to our connect group this evening. And um, so I went to lots of different connect groups and they were just amazing. I just... Um, I was just touched by the real depth of community that I experienced there, um, the joy, the faith, you know, the ways that people were growing. Um, and that just, that really, really inspired me. And, you know, when you, when you experience that, you just think, God, you know, every parish needs to be like this. Every parish needs to be a place where people are encountering Christ, where they're, you know, building community with each other, where it's becoming a family and a home for them. So, yeah, that was, that was really a moving experience for me. You know, it kind of reminds me because I, I think, you know, going to church growing up, I, you, know, you knew there was more, right? Like, mm. you, I remember going to church thinking, there's got to be more to it than this. I always mm. felt like there was something missing just going to church and leaving again or just doing, going through Sunday school. and church. Like, it's funny, growing up, I was always thinking to myself, man, I wish there was less. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. But I felt like we're missing the point somehow. Mm. And again, not to take away from the richness of the Holy Mass, I just didn't get it growing up clearly, yeah. but there was more to it than that. And, and I think that's maybe what Hannah's talking about is when well, you see the more. Yeah, no, sorry, but I just, I think part of the hostility that the church encounters in society today, some of it is actual hostility to the whole notion of church and the whole notion of God. Some of it is, I think, hurt and betrayal and bitterness along the lines of there's supposed to be more. Yes. Uh -huh, and there yeah. isn't. Right. And that, I'm that not hurt, feeling it. Yeah. And that hurts people and it disappoints them. And I think that's, if, part of it, you know, yeah. if we could reorient, redirect those feelings, you know, mm -hmm. that's maybe part of the mission. Well, and how many times have I heard people say, 
uh, especially people that have kids that have grown up in the church. I did everything the church told me to do, and they've walked away, and they don't want mm. anything to do with it. So how is it that we can continue to do something that isn't actually connecting with people on a, on a, on a human level? Intellectually, we have, we have the richness of the church, no question. How come that's not connecting with people? Mm. And the fact that it's not connecting with people, does it bother us? I know mm. it bothers me. I stay up at night thinking, how can I make Jesus, his church, and his mission relevant to everybody I know and love? Well, Hannah, what I love about what, what you're up to is you've got uh, your, your experience in, in your studies, which I know you're still you're still in the midst of, uh, but you're also working with the Divine Renovation team, which means you're also helping to, to, to work with parishes that are looking to shift their culture. What are some of the things that you're seeing in the UK right now? It's, yeah, it's just amazing. So I started um, in this role in January this year. Um, we had a big conference in the UK last October and some of the team from Halifax came over for that. And, you know, even that just blew us away. We had 300 people come to that conference um, from around the UK, um, including 100 priests, which I just thought was, you know, it was amazing to, um, to see that. And we know that that conference had an incredible impact on so many people. And I think ever since I've begun this role in January, um, you know, we're just hearing stories from all over the place at how people are starting this in the UK. I think the, the growth that we're seeing is far um, greater than we imagined. You know, there's a lot of um, a lot of people contacting us, a lot of people beginning this um, all around the country. And it's so exciting to see that. I think it's beyond what we could have expected. You know, it's it's yeah, it's blowing us away. Um, yeah. Do you find, uh, in terms of the early, cause January wasn't that long ago. <laughs> like January know, really yeah. wasn't that long ago. <laughs> like yeah. Five months ago, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and even now, because uh, of course I was with you um, in, in the UK for the DR day that we just did there. And what, yeah. what, what shocked us, because I remember when we were planning it, Hannah, I remember thinking, well, maybe we'll get 200, 300 people at this thing. Oh, yeah. And we were talking about venues, making sure, well, you know, oh, well, th this building has enough for 800. Okay, that's more than enough. And then as, right. as the days came closer, every time we would meet, you'd be like, Dan, we're at like 600 tickets. We're at 650. We're at 700 tickets. And okay. we're sold out, Dan. It's like I, I couldn't believe the, the hunger uh, that, that we yeah. were, were hearing from you. Yeah, exactly. It was incredible. And we had people come down from Scotland for that day and, you know, from all over the place. There's, there's a real hunger. And, you know, since that day, we, again, we've just been hearing from people all over the place who said, this has just really inspired us. We're going to we're going to start. So, um, yeah, I mean, we thought October was was big and amazing. And then we've seen um, a similar thing happen last week. And, you know, I think if growth continues at this pace, um, we, we're just seeing so many parishes being inspired by this and mm. starting it all over the place. And I think our aim is really to um, to support these parishes as much as possible. I mean, some of the things that we're trying to do is to help network parishes who are doing it with each other. Um, you know, not all of them are immediately joining um, the Divine Renovation Network. I think that's the thing that we would love parishes to do because we can really see that the most um, progress is made in those parishes that do join the network because they're being coached so regularly. Um, but even parishes who are before that stage, we're trying to network them together. We're trying to find ways of priests to share with each other some of the struggles that they're having and, and to kind of learn from each other. Um, and yeah, we're just trying to build up ways of, of connecting with them um, and promoting other things like the Divine Renovation Association as well. So yeah, it's all new, it's big, and we're learning 
kind of first-hand, what are the best ways to support to support places? So Hannah, you, um, I owe you a, a, a major thanks because one of the things you did before we arrived in the UK was you actually set up a number of, of, of meetings for, for me to take our production team to. So we flew up with our, our video production team and we got a chance to spend time with parishes that are, are doing uh, divine renovation, some in the network, some not. And um, what an amazing privilege it was. It was for me, it was the first experience I'd ever had quite like this, because usually I, when I talk to, to parishes in the Divine Renovation Network, I'm talking to their leadership. I'm talking to, uh, you know, the pastor or someone on the leadership team. But because we were in England, we had a chance to talk to their parishioners. And wow, it really? totally different story. Like, totally. Oh, it's like I couldn't have been more excited that we had our video team there because like I'm like, we got to film everything. we bought. This is unreal. <laughs> like, who are these people? And they're telling like transformation stories like, oh, yeah, well, five months ago we weren't doing much at our church. But now it's amazing. It's like, who are you people? And what the what these pastors are doing in England is so exciting because they're awakening their churches. Wow. Yeah. That's so you know, cool. one of the things that's um, really struck me is just like the transferability of this model to another country and another culture you know like there are so many like often we hear in England of there's new programs or new things setting up in in North America or whatever you know and people say oh that's not going to work over here and I think what we've seen in the last six months to one year is that we're we're seeing that it it does work over here you know we're seeing fruitfulness in parishes all over the place and you know this is in our context it's in a British context mm. with with our people and our priests and I think that was one of the wonderful things to see last Wednesday um, that, you know, this this is something that's being, you know, really enculturated in this country. It's a model that is transferable and it's not just working in Canada, it's working all over the world. Well, that reminds me so much of when Father James Mackay was here a short, seems like a short time so ago. So he's a, one of the UK priests. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And a lovely guy. Yes. Was, was visiting us, was soaking up divine renovation. And he came to our connect group one night and we were talking about, you know, what's going on and he would say things like, and I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm sad because my connect group is meeting back home. Right. And it's hard to break your head out of, you know, the local, we're doing this. Hey, you do connect groups. We we do connect groups too, is my initial thought, right? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's how it's supposed to be. That, this is what makes me think of it. The transferability, you know, the go and make disciples to all the ends of the earth. Well, take a, take a technique that works and let it fly and see what can be happening in different regional cultural contexts. So this is amazing. Well, the underlying principles are the same and many of the, the tactics are the same. However, what's so cool about what, what we saw when we were traveling around England is that, you know, pastors are, are using their, their particular contexts, right? And so I, I think of, of Father Sean and Father Damien and the amazing work they're doing at their parish. And it's very different than what Father Mackay is doing at his parish. They're both, they're looking at, well, what's my context? How do I apply divine renovation given that I'm in a different kind of parish with a different type of, of, of person showing up in my pews? And they're actually tailoring it. And it's working in both. It's it's amazing to see that how it just, how it's totally transferable. Yeah, I see Father Jerry Hurley and we're just coaching this week and, and Deacon John who works with them, their leadership team. That's the very thing they talked about. They're in Mississippi <laughs> and they've been taking these principles and wrestling with them, but it's not a copy and paste. It's, you know, they're, they're contextualizing it, taking those same principles and just knocking it out of the park beyond their wildest dreams. And so it is really important. You know, one of the questions I have for Hannah is, you know, okay, there's that conference in the DRUK that you did with 300 people, 100 priests. Who are the pioneers of that? Like, who are the people crazy enough? Because I'm thinking to myself, oh, probably getting 100 priests together all the time over there, are you? Is that the case? And if not, 
what was the case? Well, how groundbreaking was that? And tell us about the who were the pioneers of that and what gave them the courage and, and how did they get it started? Because I'm sure there are other people around the world who are thinking, oh my gosh, I've been trying to mobilize a group of people. I can't get anybody. Tell us a little bit about that story. Sure. Well, um, I think, yeah, one of the things that we noticed was that the people who came were from a wide spread within the church, a wide range of people. They weren't necessarily connected already through anything in particular. So it was just, you know, we, we really wanted to identify and, um, you know, invite those kind of early adopters, those ones who are crazy enough to, to try this and to, um, and, and yeah, you know, lots of the um, parishes that came um, were those people. And now we're seeing, you know, we're seeing them make um, great strides. But I think um, the inspiration for, for that conference happened when, um, I think there were, there were about 12 of us from the UK who went to DR16 um, two years ago. And um, yeah, there was a little group within that, within that 12 who thought, you know, we need to, we need this in the UK. This is, um, you know, this is, this is something that's just so needed. And Robert Toon, who's the chair of our council, um, our DR council in the UK, he, he was really the one who, who gathered a great group of different people together back in England and said, you know, let's do this. So, so it happened from that. And then, you know, straight after that conference, I was asked if I would take on the role um, of, DR, of DR coordinator. Um, so it's happened very quickly. You know, when we were there last Wednesday, we were just thinking back to the previous year when um, the leadership conference happened in, in London. And there was a group of us, I don't know if you remember, there was a group of us who, who met in a room with Father James Mellon. There was about 20 of us. And, you know, a year later, we've got like 700 people <laughs> meeting together. <laughs> and that's just in one year, you know, this has spread so fast within the UK. So, yeah, we're just running to catch up right now. We're just, you know, trying to keep up with, with the growth. Um, the Holy Spirit's really doing big things. Wow. How yeah. many people do we have, Dan, coming from different countries for DR18? Um, a little bit about that. So for DR18, I think we've got 11 countries that okay. are that are coming. Um, and Canada's got a hundred and some odd and the others are all from all the other places around the world. It's crazy. And it's funny because one of the things, this is, this was a new experience for me, Ron. Um, so we, last time when we did 20, uh, DR 2016 here in Halifax, we had a number of people come from other countries as well. However, this time I've had to, um, I've had these uh, paperwork put in front of me. I've had to sign off on, on all these people coming in because their consulates require that, uh, that we, we sign off on the fact that they're coming here, they're coming for a conference. And so my team keeps putting this paperwork in front of me. And just yesterday I was sitting, I was with, I was in a meeting with our production team and, and Anne-Marie from our team comes into the room. She's like, Dan, I need you to sign this. And it's like this long document, right? Long, like full should page. Should have sent it to Rob. Yeah, <laughs> I should have sent it to Rob. Full page letter. And what it is, is, is I'm guaranteeing that father so-and-so is going to leave the country when the conference is over. I'm like, one second. So what exactly happens if father so-and-so doesn't like, what if I, what am I signing here? And Marie says to me, oh, don't worry, Dan. Based on all the other things I've got you to sign, this one's nothing. Like, what are you talking about? Totally new. But it's because we've got so much interest from so many different places and what we're finding is that divine renovation, yeah, you you got you certainly have to do certain things for your context, but it's working and it's inspiring parishes and equipping parishes all over the world. Mm, really is. Uh, you know, I, and I hope and I hope as people hear you Hannah, you know, you probably, you know, we often see ourselves as pretty average people. And God uses pretty average people to do pretty extraordinary things. And I hope Hannah that as people come to DR18, they'll hear your story and say to themselves, if Hannah can do it, 
I can do it. Because what you're doing over there with Robert Toon and the other 12, I'm pretty sure there's somebody else who had 12 people and changed the world. I can't remember mm-hmm. who, but there's a story there. book somewhere. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I know that 92 are coming from Germany, 40 are coming from Australia, uh, you know, people coming from Ireland. Malaysia, and, yeah, India. Right. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, I hope, I hope they pull a Hannah on us. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Go back and, and plant something. Yeah. <laughs> And what's kind of exciting, Hannah, and this was, you know, now that you're you're a seasoned Divine Renovation veteran, uh, having been on the <laughs> team. To celebrate their first year anniversary. Five months in. <laughs> uh, I can remember early days when you, when you first joined our team, uh, you know, I started probably with an apology saying, look, Hannah, we've never had a, a, a country coordinator before. You are the first. We are going to make so many mistakes together, but I hope we get a few things really right and already, I mean, just five months down the path, we can see so many things have gone well. And we're so just so grateful for what you've been able to to, to support there in the UK. Well, no, I think like, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing the people that God has drawn together to make this happen. And I would really say this, this is this is definitely something that the Holy Spirit is doing. I feel like it's, um, you know, a wave of, of the Holy Spirit that we're just riding. You know, it's really, it really is him initiating all of this. And um I think it's just our role to respond as best we can and to, you know, to give what's needed to, to, to allow this growth to continue and to allow God to continue doing what he's doing. You know, it's extraordinary what God is doing. And yeah, it's his work. Isn't that so important that we allow God to do what God wants to do? Because I hear this and it takes, you know, it's about stories, right? I think about when St. Benedict, the church, the physical church was built. There was a feeling something's good's happening. Something good is happening here. God is doing things. And let's do this. And this is probably enough. And the church itself was inadequate in terms of being able to contain what happened. Right? <laughs> yeah, the things spilled out of the church. Try a few on Sunday mornings, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, not enough parking. I mean, not enough rooms, you know, for, for the ministry growth. And then so that we see divine renovation. Well, let's, hey, let's let God do this and do it through us. And continually outstripping expectations. That's what we hear from you, Hannah. And, you know, that's this the constant story that comes out of the whole DR experience. Yeah. And you know, it's crazy. I mean, I know the staff and the parishioners of St. Benedict just last week celebrated eight years since the opening of the building. I mean, we're not talking a long mm. time. But you know what? I always believe that a big yes to an incredible God, boy, I'll tell you, things can happen. Mm. <laughs> that's, the, that's the truth. That's the story. That's the good news. For all of you that are listening or watching online, that's the good news. If he can use us, he will use you. And it, and it comes down to surrender, hope, and just absolutely believing in God and leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and isn't that exactly the story of what, what, what Hannah, what you're, what you're supporting there in the UK? It's, it's about those, those leaders, those, those priests, those parish priests, uh, and, and their teams stepping into this and letting the Holy Spirit use them to transform their parishes. And they come in all stripes, Hannah, don't they? They're, they're all like, they're, they're, there's no unanimity here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was Shane in the interview that we did with the priests. Like I was watching that back and I was thinking, my goodness, you know, all three priests were so different. And again, I love that, you know, because it shows that you don't have to be a certain type of priest to do this. You know, God is going to use you in whatever giftedness you have. Um, but yeah, I, it's, just, it's just amazing, I think, um, how God is doing this in, in so many different places um, and with so many different people. One of my hopes, I, we have a, a church in the network in Montreal, and uh, 
in Canada, Quebec is is a is a province that has the lowest church attendance, probably the highest, would be considered the highest secular province in our country. And yet it wasn't always that way. It used mm. to be the most Catholic so province Catholic in the entire be, country. Yeah. And and I, I noticed on the roster some people coming from Quebec to the DR18 conference. And my prayer is that, that the Holy Spirit will just launch a whole new church in Quebec City. I know some people in France, there's a event so, in the UK or in, in France coming up for DR. Yeah, we're doing a conference in 2019 in France and we got a number of people from France coming and we're doing simultaneous translation into French at uh, DR18 here in Halifax. Cool, so yeah. my prayer is that France and Quebec, they'll they'll see a new resurgence mm. of, of hope in Jesus Christ and, and just whatever baggage they have to put behind them, I hope we can draw a line in the sand and just put that behind us and just lean into the new bread, uh, you know, the new opportunity to embrace what the Holy Spirit is doing now. Let's let the past, like some things we just need to let go of, not our tradition, not our doctrine, not any of that stuff, but our baggage. Like mm -hmm. I hope that people will start to let go of some baggage and just lean into a newness. That's a great, so Hannah, what, what I'd love to get is from you is just some some advice for people. I mean, like you, you're you're in a you're now in a position in in the UK where you you've got like the bird's eye. You're looking at at, at at the country. You're like, you know, these are the things that we see moving and shaping. There's other people in leadership roles in other countries, and you're at this point the only uh, national coordinator we have on Divine Renovations team. Uh, but what advice would you give to to those other countries, leaders in those other countries that are trying to take that that elevated position? What what advice would you give them? question i think um like lean into what god is doing you know i think this is the most important thing and what i'm really learning at this time is that you know we can be so full of our own plans and we want to make this happen and we want to achieve something and the the biggest thing i've i'm learning is is really that god wants this more than we do and that he will make it happen in his way in his time with his own people and yeah, and to, and to really, um, you know, that this has to be, this has to be rooted in prayer. I think one of the um, biggest things that just reassures me over, over here is that, you know, we've asked contemplative communities around the country to be praying for divine renovation in the country and to be praying for um, the parishes that are doing it. And, you know, we, we just know that that's, that's really based in prayer. Um, also, just to like one of the, the, the biggest things that I did um, after we had that conference in, in October was was just to phone around all of the priests who had um, who had come. I don't think I managed all of them. I probably did maybe, I don't know, a third. Um, but it was great to have conversations with those priests and just to listen to them and to hear, you know, what they're doing, um, how they how the conference impacted them. What are their biggest needs? Because because that was a, a big thing for us to understand in order to understand how we could support them best. So those would be my two big things. I think when you start something like this, this dependence on on God and also and also to listen, you know, to listen to to what 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 people are doing and what they need, um, and try and work out how how to best support them in 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 your context. Yeah. Hannah, it's, it's been so exciting to be able to connect with you and talk. Now, if people, I know a lot of people, we have a lot of people who watch and join us from the UK, and there's a specific Divine Renovation website in the UK. What's the address for that? It's divinerenovationuk.org. 
So divinerenovationuk.org to keep in touch with what's happening specifically yeah. in the UK. And there's also ways to support Hannah and, and the Divine Renovation Ministry in the UK so that the, there's a way to continue the, to grow Divine Renovation in that country. And so, Hannah, thank you so much for all that you do. And for everybody else who's been joining us, uh, if you haven't yet downloaded the Divine Renovation app, this is the moment. This is the moment where you can take out your phone, you can go to your app store and download Divine Renovation. Uh, it's our it's our brand new app. We're so excited that it's out there. Uh, we've had some amazing feedback. You'll be able to catch this podcast. We've got news that's going up into it. And as we do conferences, it keeps our conference um, agenda and schedule uh, live for everybody who wants to take part. So I, I, I encourage you to download the app. And if, if you like it, give us a five stars on, on the app store rating or give us some love on iTunes if you're listening to us uh, in the old school podcast way. But thank you so much for for joining us and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.